Wouldn't it be awesome to be able to hear Jesus speak and preach like he did in biblical times? Can you imagine, for example, actually being in that synagogue in Nazareth and watching Jesus get up to the podium and unroll the scroll and read and then preach on that lesson? Actually hearing Jesus speaking about events and so on and what was important. Well, dear friends, we are in the season of Advent, which means coming. And as I mentioned the other week, we talk about Advent past and Advent future, but we also talk about Advent present, how Jesus comes to you in the present. Our focus so far has been on repentance, John the Baptist, repent. Today, the focus, we, we, lit, we lit the candle of joy, the focus is on joy and gladness. Jesus coming to you today is just as real, it is just as precious, it is just as efficacious to you and me today as it was 2,000 years ago for his disciples. Jesus is not some dead philosopher that we say, oh, he lives on in his ideas and in his concepts. No. Jesus rose from the dead. He is alive. He is exalted and he comes to you today. He is just as real today as the promised prophet. He is the prophet and teacher in his church. And so today we rejoice. It is a day of joy because Jesus comes to you today. And we read about this in our lesson, our Old Testament lesson for this morning, Isaiah chapter 61. We read verses 1 through 3. I invite you to stand for the reading of this lesson. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the afflicted. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release for those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance for our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a cloak of praise instead of a faint spirit, so that they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord to display his beauty. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. In our reading for for today from Isaiah chapter 61, we see just a fantastic revelation about the future Messiah, written 
2,700, over 2,700 years ago, over 700 years before Jesus, the Messiah, would actually walk upon the earth. And this is the very passage in Luke chapter 4 where I was mentioning Jesus preaching in the synagogue at Nazareth and he opened up, he unrolled the scroll and he found this text in Isaiah. And he preached about it and said, this prophecy has been fulfilled before you today. He pointed to himself. This is perhaps the most clear indication that Jesus gave that he was the Messiah directly relating that prophecy about the Messiah to himself. All of the Old Testament had talked about the coming Messiah and the people of Israel were waiting for the showing of the Messiah and Jesus says, I'm here before you today. Jesus was both the messenger and the message. He was the fulfillment of the scriptures that talked about the prophet and he continues to fulfill those prophecies. When the heavens opened up above the Jordan River, when John the Baptist was baptizing Jesus and the voice of the Father and the dove came down, the Spirit upon Jesus, he was anointed into his holy office as the prophet the teacher, the one we should listen to. And now, we continue to listen to Jesus. Now he's in his exalted state, but he remains the prophet, the teacher in his church, the Christian church. And he is just as real and comes to you in his word and in the visible word, the visible representation of the word, the sacraments, baptism and holy communion. He is present for you today. And he brings a very important message. It's a message of freedom. We read, to proclaim freedom for the captives. Freedom for the captives. Now this is not a message to do with social injustice. Any kind of modern theology that takes passages of Scripture like this or other parts of the Bible and simply applies them to a cultural context of social injustice is missing the point. There is a far, far bigger meaning here that Jesus brings to proclaim freedom for the captives. Our own depraved self holds our soul captive. That is what our lawlessness does to us. That is what sin does to the sinner. Many of us have a sin in the past that holds us captive. Perhaps you have something in your past that you are particularly ashamed of. And you think, wouldn't it be great if, if I could just be freed from that, that guilt, that sin? Well, Jesus comes to you today with a big set of keys and he unlocks that prison door. He opens it wide open 
and set you free. Jesus came in the past to set you free and all of us free. And he fulfilled his mission. He laid down his life in order to set you free from the guilt and the punishment of our lawlessness before God. And then Jesus sends his little errand boys, that's me, the pastors, he gives them a set of keys and says, go and you release my people. And so today I'm here to tell you, you are released from your captivity. You have been set free. It's yours through Christ. He is present for you in his word. He is present for you in his sacraments to assure you that you are free and to give you the strength and the power to resist temptation, the temptations of Satan. Satan would love to hold you captive. Satan does that in the world. Our scripture says that he would come, this messenger would come to release for those who are bound, to bring release for those who are bound. That's what Satan does. He wants to bind people, like having a rope tied around your arms and around your legs. Satan, he's the father of lies, and he uses these lies to bind us. He promises us freedom, but it's a fake freedom. It leads to captivity. If you're a gamer, you probably know that when you're playing certain games, if you get stuck on a level, say you're playing a military, a war game, and you're going through a war-torn town, and you're trying to make your way through, but you can't get through that level. Well, you can go onto YouTube and watch a walkthrough video. Some expert gamer will be playing that and will show you the correct way to get through that level, to get through that town safely. If you watch that, you can do it. Now imagine a YouTuber, gamer, who puts out a video that's just filled with false information about that level. And so you start following it, and then you, he says, yeah, take that alleyway. And you go down that alleyway, it looks really good, and then you go right into the hands of, that's where all the enemy have, have their camp set up. And you get captured. That's what Satan does. He fills the world with his lies in order to bind us and hold us captive, to lead to captivity. He promises, look, this is freedom. Take this way. It's going to be awesome. Bind you to it. I had a good example this week. I heard about some teenagers who were talking about trying to defend sex before marriage. And they were saying that it's okay, God doesn't really say much about that in Scripture. He's okay with it. That is a lie that Satan has been sowing in our culture, even amongst Christians. Well, what about the Sixth Commandment? It says you shall not commit adultery. Oh, well, Satan has another lie for that one. Well, it's okay if you're not married because then you're not committing adultery against another person. That's another lie of Satan. If you read Scripture, Scripture is very clear that fornication is a sin. He says, Jesus said to the woman at the well in Samaria, points out that what she was doing at that time 
It's living with a man. They weren't married. There are other examples in Scripture, but Satan sows lies like this throughout our culture. Even amongst Christians, they're being taken up in order to lead us into captivity, harm for our souls. But Jesus comes along and he gives us the truth in his word. Jesus said to his father, he prayed, Father, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Jesus gives you the correct, the true walkthrough for life, this game of life. He tells you how to do it. Now, occasionally, as we're following his word, sometimes we ignore part of it or we might stray a little bit down the wrong place and we find ourselves bound. But that's when we come to church and you can repent of your sins and you hear we have confession and absolution and Jesus absolves you. He cuts you free of those bonds. He forgives you. He says you're free to go. Be strengthened in my word. Freedom brings joy. Think of all of the examples in history where prisoners who have been held captive have been released and the joy that they have. Think of World War II, those black and white images from the streets of France after they had been liberated and all of the celebrations and joy. Freedom leads to joy. Jesus comes to you today to set you free but also he comes to fill your heart with joy. Tis the season for joy. A lot of people, when they look and they see the Christmas trees nicely decorated with the ornaments, Christmas ornaments, that just at that time, this time of year just fills them with joy. And yet there are some people who don't have joy at Christmas time. Maybe this Christmas they won't have joy because sickness and death, they don't take a break for December. And some people have tragedy strike even at Christmas time. It can be in mourning. And if our joy at Christmas time is simply in the tinsel, then that joy is going to be very shallow and easily lost. But that's why we say Jesus is the reason for the season. Jesus is the reason why we have joy. We read in Isaiah, he says that Jesus came to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the, jo the oil of joy instead of mourning, a cloak of praise instead of a faint spirit. Do you see the contrasts that have been set up here between bitterly horrible things in our lives and these wonderful, beautiful things of joy and gladness that Jesus tells of? The ashes. Back in biblical times, if somebody died, a person, loved one, would mourn their death by going and getting a handful of ashes and putting it over themselves in their hair, and it would show that it would be a sign, an outward sign of their inner grief that they are experiencing inside. But Jesus says he comes to bring a crown of beauty instead of ashes. He takes away those ashes and instead puts on a beautiful crown. 
can't help but think of Advent future where Christ will return and we will receive the crown of glory as we enter into heaven. Joy, mourning is replaced by joy and we can have that because Jesus, after paying for our guilt, setting us free at the cross, he rose from the dead. He is a living Savior and he is the first fruits from the dead. You and I and all who believe in him, we're the rest of the crop. We will one day rise. And so death, the death of a loved one, it's not empty, it's not a waste, but rather through Jesus it has such deep meaning now because we look forward to wearing that crown of beauty at that great reunion with our loved ones. Jesus comes to bring the oil of joy instead of mourning. Instead of ashes, there were times in Israel where people would use aromatic oil and put it on their head, and it was a time of celebration at feasts, at victories, and so on. Jesus comes with these special celebratory reasons for joy. Jesus is the one who gives us a cloak of praise instead of a faint spirit, instead of a downhearted spirit. He gives us a, a cloak of joy, a clean, fresh, new gown to bring celebration. We have been clothed through faith in His righteousness. And that's how the Lord now sees you, as an oak of righteousness. There are many reasons to celebrate joy today. Jesus comes to you. He brings joy. He fills your heart with joy. I want to finish this morning by talking about that Gallup poll that just came out either yesterday or the day before. Their, their mental health survey that they do annually in November. Gallup has been doing it for 20 years now all of these mental health questions that they ask people. And they break it down into all of these different categories. And this year, surprise, surprise, they found the survey shows that mental health, people saying they have a positive mental health, it's down nine percentage points this year, uh, over, over last year. It's way down from other years. And when you look at the individual demographics, male, female, they have white, non-white, they have political affiliation, they have age categories, and they have one category which is for church attendance. And if you look at all of these different categories, every category was negative, had a decline in reflections of positive mental health except one. And go look up this study, the Gallup study on mental health. One demographic, those who attended church weekly. That was the only demographic where people actually reported an increase in the positivity of their mental health. Pretty revealing. Why is that? Well, I think we have the answer right in front of us for today. Coming where Jesus is present and he comes and he proclaims joy, he proclaims freedom, the message of Christ, 
is what fills our heart with joy. And this shows us, this demonstrates for us how important this message is, how important church attendance is, how we need to take care of our physical, our mental, and our spiritual health. Joy, Jesus has joy for you. He wants to give it to you. And that's what he proclaims for you today, your freedom and fills your heart with joy. You have everlasting life through him. Amen.